You are listening to Do We Like Murder, a segment of the Long Overdue Podcast brought to you by Decatur Public Library in Decatur, Texas. This is a continuation of March Madness, and today we are talking about... Wrongful Convictions? Yes. Yay. Wrongful Convictions. Denise, Dawn, Brandon here today. <laughs> so I have some... Interesting. I mean, it's all fascinating mm-hmm. and it's all very sad yes. and everything. So, um, I I was looking at a couple of different websites. One of them, I didn't get a lot of information from the side, but uh, the Innocence Project, mm-hmm. and they actually have a special Texas division. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the information I received was from the Equal Justice Initiative. Oh. And it was really nice on their their front page. It says that they have, um, this is a little bit outdated because I'll, I'll tell you why in a minute. But 2,500, 2,500 exonerations since 1989. Mm. And they have um, access to the National Registry of Exonerations. So you can actually go in there and look people up. And there have been 367 people exonerated through DNA evidence since 1989, which seems really low. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think that's picking up and I think they're backlogged. Mm -hmm. So that's with current cases. So I'm I'm a little behind. What does exonerated mean? That they, you were found guilty and then later on they were like, you're not guilty. Oh, so that's what I thought it meant. I just wanted to clarify. Yeah. That's good. Nope. Questions are good. So nine. Let's see. How how do I read this? Each exonerated person spent on average more than eight years, 10 months in prison for crimes they did not commit. And this is just fascinating. Only 1.5% of prosecutors' offices in the U.S. have conviction integrity units. Mm-hmm. What's a conviction integrity unit? It makes you be more aware of um, getting false witnesses and trying to hide evidence and all that kind of stuff. So they have somebody who is watching your integrity. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. So they also have a map. Oh. And it's interactive. I didn't get to play with it a whole lot. But they have exonerations by state. And the total for the year. And by crime. Hmm. So, for murder, there's been 1,138. For sexual assault, there were 349. Child sex abuse, 299. Drugs, 451. Robbery, it's the smallest of all of them, and there's not a number next to it. And other, it's 613. Um, and what I find, okay, so this is the national registry of exoneration. So Mm -hmm. I think that this is for just this one group. I don't think that it's for the the innocence project and all that there. So 
there's more mm -hmm. than just what this uh, information is is showing. Um, for the race, for the black community, there's been 1,520 exonerations, Hispanic 363, other and don't know are minuscule, and then white is 1,038. Mm. By gender, there's been 2,737 male exonerations and 260 female. thought it was very interesting. Yeah. It's a lot of data points. It is. I thought a good overview would be mm -hmm. would be good, and and the reason why I said that this was the information I had was not completely updated is because the registry here says that there was one gentleman who was the three thousandth person exonerated, mm. uh, and they have his story. So, and I can talk a little bit about that, but. Yeah. yeah, some good starting data mm -hmm. to let you know that it's it's out there. People are getting out because they were wrongfully convicted, and how many people we don't know, right? Yeah, especially with DNA testing taking a long time. Also, whether or not the court system deems it acceptable to test DNA because sometimes the court denies that. Okay. And it doesn't matter how much evidence they have. Sometimes the court's like, nope. And so their lawyers aren't allowed to test the DNA. So, Well, and there was one uh, story that I read that the gentleman had gone to um, the parole board twice and they had rejected listening to his claims of innocence mm -hmm. two times. Well, yeah, the parole board doesn't want to hear you say you didn't do it. The parole board wants to hear you say that you did it and that you're so sorry. Yeah. And if you didn't do it and you're sitting there saying that you didn't do it, well, you are clearly showing no remorse, so go back to prison. Mm -hmm. hmm. I wonder uh, what the percentages of wrongful exonerations are. That's a really interesting thought. So I was actually kind of looking through this. And at first it was like, oh, I feel really sorry for this person. And then I'm like, oh, I don't know. But then looking at the evidence, it's like she didn't do it. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a case where she had been convicted of murdering her child um, after it had been born. But it was stillborn. So there was no evidence mm -hmm. that she had killed the child, that it had even taken a breath. So, but they had, they had put her in jail, said mm -hmm. that she killed her child. That's ridiculous. Is that recent? That was in, I think she was released in 2012. I think it happened in to, uh, 2007. Wow. And it said that she was living in a FEMA-supplied uh, house because of one of the hurricanes that had come through and mm -hmm. devastated the area. And um, she was poor, and she already had six kids. And so she was home by herself, and they were saying um, that she ended the child's life. But she didn't have any access to good medical care through her pregnancy mm -hmm. and it was a little bit more of a high risk pregnancy. Mm -hmm. 
Well, it starts getting high risk and you start having like more and more children. Like the more children you have, isn't it more high risk? Mm, I don't I mean, necessarily it, think so. Or is it just when you get older? I think it's as you get older. It's as you get older? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I, there was one statistic somewhere or something. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, I think that a, a, a lot of exonerations, they don't... So one of the cases that I looked at, they um, exonerated... Actually, they said that the the trial was not valid. The conviction was not valid. And then the prosecutors went back and actually looked at the evidence. And the evidence and everything else said that mm-hmm. that person should not have been convicted. There was not any evidence saying that they should have been convicted. So I think when they go back and they look at these cases, I think they're pretty sure. Mm. Because I don't think they're just going to let people out of prison. Maybe that's no. why there's so few. And it it takes a lot of work to get someone out mm-hmm. a lot. Even if you've got all the witnesses from the previous trial saying, yeah, I lied. Well, okay. It's even if you have DNA evidence, like it takes a lot of work to get someone out. Well, and I've heard that even though people have shown the proof and I don't know at which stage this is at, but they still have sat in prison mm-hmm. for a while and have not been released yet. Yep. Yep. You also have prosecutors that refuse to admit that they could have possibly made a mistake. Which, I mean, on some levels, I understand. If you're constantly second guessing yourself, how do you sleep at night doing a job like that? But also, people make mistakes. Right. I mean, people make mistakes, but I think having. To have police officers and prosecutors answer to somebody Mm -hmm. for truthfulness Mm -hmm. that um, that would make a big difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a lot of the times this isn't about justice. It's just about cleaning the case, getting it off your desk. Which is really sad because they put somebody in jail and then Mm -hmm. the other person is still out there. Yep. Still Probably free, still committing crimes. Yeah, able to do whatever they want to do, and that's so sad that these people have been put in prison for things, and their life taken away. And they didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. So, do you have a, any specific cases you want to talk about? Yes, I have got a couple. Okay, what about you? I do have a couple. I've kind of mentioned the one with the the pregnant mm-hmm. lady. Um, but I can talk a little bit about the 3,000th person who was exonerated in February of 2022. Oh, wow. But Yeah, that's pretty recent. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, one of the cases that I'm talking about is from Clifton, Texas. Mm-hmm. Happened in the 80s. So, um, Joe Bryan was a high school principal in Clifton, Texas, and mm-hmm. his wife, Mickey Bryan, was a fourth grade teacher. Okay. Um, everybody loved them in the community. It was this very small town. Mm-hmm. Um, you could see them walking down their neighborhood holding hands, Aww. and they'd been married for like ever. That's so sweet. Very cute. Um, and one 
day, Joe goes to a principal's conference in Austin. Mm-hmm. And while he's away, uh, Nikki is brutally murdered in her home. Oh. She doesn't show up to work the next day. And so her principal calls her parents and the three of them go to the house mm-hmm. to check up on her because it's really unlike her to, first of all, not show up for work, but also to not call anybody and tell them that she's not coming to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe is at that conference, which is 120 miles away mm-hmm. from his home. He gets the call and he's devastated and returns home. Um, it turns out that that was the second brutal murder that Clifton had had in four months. Ooh. Yeah. And it was okay. a really small town. Yeah. So this was very like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, and at first it didn't seem like Joe was any kind of suspect. They got a Texas Ranger to come and investigate, but the local police force was still very active in the investigation. Um, and then, so Joe is preparing for the funeral and his brother-in-law comes to stay with him for a little bit. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a car, so Joe lets him borrow his car. Mm-hmm. And while he's borrowing the car, he calls one of his friends. The brother-in-law calls a friend of his who's an FBI agent. And so he basically wants to hire him as a private de- investigator. Okay. Like, come here and take a look at this. So he goes, and as he's got the car, um, for whatever reason, they decide to look in the trunk. Mm-hmm. And they find a flashlight that they say has blood splatter on it. Okay. Uh, this is 1985, so yeah, you might be able to tell if it's blood or not, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't say anything to Joe. They call the police. The police come and look over the trunk and take the flashlight and so on. After Joe gets back his car, he he's driving around and he needs to get something out of the trunk. And as he's looking around, he realizes that there was a bag of money in his car. Now, he had reported to the police that what was missing from the house was some jewelry mm-hmm. and some money that mm-hmm. they had. And he found it in the car. And then he remembered that him and Mickey had gone to Waco. And so they had taken the money to do some shopping and so on. And he had left it in the trunk. Got it. Okay. And just forgotten all about it because she died. Yeah. Um. So he calls the police and he's all like, hey, you know that money I said was stolen? It's not. I found it. Mm-hmm. So some jewelry was stolen. And that's it. Okay. So the police already have this bloody flashlight. Mm-hmm. And they're like, he was trying to make it look like a robbery. Why would he call and tell you that he found the money? Right. <laughs> like, he's trying to make it look like a robbery, but then he told on himself. Yeah. Um. So then they, like... Why would he... Okay, never mind. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, like, why, why would he do that? <laughs> it makes no sense. Um, when they, when the police were looking through his trunk, Mm -hmm. they found a Chippendales calendar, you know, Chippendales. Uh Um, and so they were immediately like, this guy's gay. And so when they asked him about it, he's like, oh, Mickey and I bought that for a single friend of ours as a gag gift. Mm -hmm. We just never gave it, gave it to her. Yeah. Um, but they were like, no, he's gay. He's leading this secret life and. Mickey had to go and it's like he's been married to her for decades yeah (laughs) like either she knows about the secret life and doesn't care or there is no secret life and you guys are really reaching here yeah so they take he goes to court the only 
focused on him, even though, again, someone else had been murdered just a couple of months before mm-hmm. in a very similar fashion. And they had a suspect for that that they never pursued. <sighs> you know why? No, why? Because he was a cop. Okay. He had just rolled into town, took a job there, and he was a cop. Mm-hmm. Suddenly a teenage girl is murdered and they think it's him, but don't pursue it at all. Why would you think that it was a cop? I mean, what would put that in your head at all? I think he was dating her, seeing her, or something like that. And So... If you're thinking it's a cop, you probably have some good. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. You don't automatically think. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. But so I would think it would warrant a little bit more investigation. Looking into, yeah. yeah. But no, no. Joe gets taken to trial, gets convicted. He spends, I believe, thirty-three years in prison. He does not actually get out um, as an exonerated man. Mm -hmm. Uh, The parole board lets him out, even though he's always maintained his innocence. Uh, They let him out because at that point he's like almost 99 years old. Wow. And so he gets out. Um, The blood on the flashlight, they could not even determine if it was blood. The test that they did back in 1985, they could not identify it. So let me just go back. So he was convicted for how long? How long was he supposed to be in prison? I believe the rest of his life. Okay. So he was in there for 33 years. So they let him in there for 33 years. And at 90 some years old, they let him out. Where is he supposed to go? Where is he supposed to live? And where is he supposed to get money? Mm -hmm. That's crap. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, that's my two cents. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Well, and the reason that I'm bringing this one up is because he's beloved in the community. Mm -hmm. He's a middle-aged, well-to-do, well, middle-class white man. Mm -hmm. And none of that mattered. He got wrongfully convicted, went to prison, and... The people, his lawyers and so on that were trying to get him out, did investigate that cop. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of solid evidence that he killed Mickey, too. Okay. Now, after that cop died, the police said, we're pretty sure he killed that girl. Oh, my gosh. But it was Pretty a, sure? Mm-hmm. Well, they're not going to say he did it. Uh-huh. But case is closed. We're pretty sure it was him. And he's dead now. And not even trying to link it to the other one. Oh, no. No, because they're still saying that Joe killed her. Okay, so this just flashed through my head when you were saying that he was well-respected. I mean, he was in a marriage for all that time. And he was, you know, he was a good guy. BTK. (laughs) Flashed through my mind. Okay, so BTK was Bond... Torture, kill, right? Mm-hmm. So he was a killer in the, was it 80s, 70s? I think it was 80s, wasn't it? I think it, it was 80s. Yeah. Um, and I know that we've done a, bo- a podcast about this and, and all that, but just kind of 
letting mm-hmm. everybody know that he was a well-respected person in his community. Mm-hmm. He had kids that loved him and he was married and he was the leader of the Boy Scout pack or troop mm-hmm. and troop. yeah. Mm-hmm. But he was a killer. Mm-hmm. But there was also a bunch of stories about some weird, weird things that he did and how he creeped people out. And true. With Joe, it was like, Joe? Yeah. Also, how did Joe get from Austin to <laughs> Clifton and then back to his conference? Yeah. Because he was back there. Like the, when he was notified, he was at his conference. Yeah. And I can't imagine, I don't know, people travel. It's only 120 miles, a couple hours. <laughs> Late at night to go murder your wife and then I know. make it back. <laughs> I know. I mean, I am, am not trying to blame him. I'm just trying to, I don't know. There's a good alibi. Yeah. But I guess I've seen other programs in about murders mm-hmm. that it's like, oh, well, they lived this far away, mm-hmm. but they still could have made it there and done what they needed to do and gotten back. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if that was actually what happened, if that, that was the person who did it in those instances. But. but yeah, like it's not out of the realm of possibility, but it's also like he got zero sleep. And then mm-hmm. shows back up and he's just like, okay, let's do this principal conference. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It might have been a little suspicious if they were like, I don't know. He looked like like crap. Like he didn't sleep or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. But. That's really sad. Yeah. And then at the end to just let him go and, you know. On parole. Yes. Just because he's an old man. It's like, for heaven's sake, you've been taking care of him for 30 years. Do it for a few more, for heaven's sake. <laughs> I don't know. But you know what I'm saying. I mean, no, he doesn't need to be in there anymore. Right. But. when well, I think his, I don't know if it was like his nieces or grandnieces or something like that, but. They're going to. Yeah, they're the ones that were taking care of him. Okay, good. So he wasn't completely alone. Okay. I just imagine hit this yeah, old man getting out. Get and out of prison. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure it out. Yeah. Go get a job. You went in in 1985. (laughs) Everything is very different now. Good luck to you. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. By the way, COVID. (laughs) Right. Just don't die. Don't get that. So most of my information came from an article uh, by ABC News, Mm -hmm. um, but they also did an episode on 2020 uh, about Joe, which had a lot of really good information. Mm -hmm. And they went over the evidence a little bit more. And Jason Flom did an episode about Joe on his podcast called Wrongful Convictions. Mm -hmm. um, Where, And in both the 2020 and in the podcast, Joe's there and he's talking about, you know, what happened and so on. But Jason Flom goes over the evidence a lot, a lot better than I do. Right. And really delves into it. Mm -hmm. That is just like, there there was nothing. Yeah. And... He went to prison for 33 years. That's so sad. You can't even create alibis. I mean, it's just like, what do you do to protect mm-hmm. yourself from something like that? If somebody's targeting you, mm-hmm. how do you get out of And that? for a pretty good chance that it was to protect a fellow police officer. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Who are you supposed to go to? Yeah. So, and just a, a little bit more of the 
you know, some background information that the exonerations obviously are continuing to rise mm-hmm. because of DNA being more available and, um, and that kind of thing. But right now there's, um, a lack of accountability for the police. We mm-hmm. kind of talked about that and the prosecutors. They were previously, they relied on junk science and mistaken eyewitnesses and the indigent defense crisis or major contributors to wrongful convictions. Um, so those have all undermined our system, mm-hmm. you know? And so they were talking about junk science that includes hair, micros, micro, mm-hmm. how do you say that? Micros, <laughs> <laughs> microscopy. <laughs> yeah. Is that the way you say I think it? So. Okay. Um, bite mark comparisons. Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit about that. Well, yeah. Yes. Um, firearm tool mark analysis. Oh, like ballistics? I guess. Ooh. Yeah. And then shoe print comparisons. Yeah. And that's what happened with this one gentleman is um, he was convicted because he had shoe marks, blood on his shoes. And um, I can't remember what it was saying that he, uh, that's what they convicted him on. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Shoe prints. It just made me think of O.J. Simpson. And his glove. Yeah. The anyway. glove don't fit. You must have quit. <laughs> I'm like, why are you letting him touch that glove? <laughs> I was like, what is wrong with y'all? I'm sorry. I I am so, I hate that whole situation. And I don't even want to bring up his name and give him any kind of recognition for anything. But Other than being a murderer. Yes. <laughs> so... The other thing they talk about is uh, lab workers making mistakes, testifying inaccurately Mm -hmm. about what their results were, or they fabricate results. Why would they do that? Why would they think it was okay? Would they think it was okay if somebody did that to them? I mean, I know they want to convict somebody. That does it just doesn't make sense. I don't get the situation yeah. that would ever make me say, okay. Well, for you to not only lie, but to lie under oath. Yes. Uh, if that means anything to you. Like, that's the thing. Like, we're like, okay, you're putting your hand on the Bible and you're swearing to tell the truth. If that doesn't mean anything to you, eh, yeah. then what? Right. <laughs> just... So, um, let's see here. Where is my first story? Oh, so one of the things, you know, you ask about how many people have been exonerated um, wrongfully, mm-hmm. falsely, yeah. False, False, falsely, falsely? whatever. <laughs> so what my question is, is how many of these cases have they gone back to try to find the real killer or the real person who did it? Probably not many. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess that... Once someone has been exonerated, first of all, the police and the prosecutor would have to admit that they made a mistake yes. to continue to search. And that is fairly rare. Yeah. That they do say, oh, okay. It's usually someone else made a mistake. Mm-hmm. We still got the right guy, but the court let him go. That kind of thing. 
So I doubt that anybody's actually then investigating. Because it would be an extremely cold case in a lot of situations, too. Mm -hmm. And you would still have to admit that you made a mistake and now you're still searching for a killer. Yeah. Or rapist or anything. Criminal. But, you know, that's something I don't think that is talked about a whole lot. Because if it is a serious Mm -hmm. situation, like a murder or something like that, um, that person is still out there. Mm -hmm. So... Okay, so this um, situation happened in 1985, and uh, Ivan Mena was, let's see, he was 19, year old, he, 19 years old, and then uh, a friend of his was 21 years old, Bovier Garcia, they call him Bobby, and they were shot when they had left a party to go get some cigarettes out of their car. And they were on their way back, and they were both shot. One was shot in the leg, and the other one, um, can't remember where he was shot, but he was killed. So, after, a couple days after the shooting, they picked up Ronaldo Munoz, and he was 16 years old. And... They said that he, they handcuffed him and put him in the back of the police car. And the person who, who did it, the, um, oh, wait a minute. I'm confused here. There's two Ronaldos. That's why I'm confused. How did they have the same name? I just noticed that. <laughs> Ronaldo Guevara is the police officer who picked up 16-year-old Ronaldo Munoz. Mm. That's very bizarre. Anyway, <laughs> I was, wait a minute, I'm talking about the wrong person. No, I got it right. Um, so anyway, Guevara ended up being exposed as a detective who routinely physically abused suspects and witnesses. So uh, numerous murder convictions were overturned based on evidence that he coerced false confessions and false witness identifications. Mm. Mm -hmm. I just don't get it. So this 16-year-old was in jail for 30 years. um, And he didn't do it. Mm -hmm. His whole life. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, go to a party, think you're going to have fun. Of course, you get shot, and then mm-hmm. somebody else gets blamed for it that's not uh, not involved. Anyway, sorry. It's okay. My uh, my details are not like yours. <laughs> I uh, focused more on the whole on the whole thing. Um. So we talked about the lady who had the stillborn. Now, how did she get exonerated? Because cause if she had a stillborn, mm-hmm. but the police claimed that she killed her baby, and she spent 16 years, was that? She was sentenced in 2007, and she was released in 2012. Oh, okay. So five years is mm-hmm. all. She was a 43-year-old mother of six, and she couldn't 
like I said, she couldn't afford the prenatal care and had a high-risk pregnancy. And it was Hurricane Ivan that their home was destroyed. And she went into premature labor and unexpectedly delivered the stillborn. Mm -hmm. And uh, she tried to revive him and couldn't. And she buried him in a marked grave near home. Now, that seems kind of weird that she wouldn't wait for somebody to help her do that. Maybe she did. It doesn't really say here. Well, and she did. She went into labor at home. Mm -hmm. Well, she has six kids. I'm sure someone helped her bury her stillborn. Yes, assuming that they, she didn't have them one after the other. I guess and they still could have been old enough. Yeah. To. Or that she would let them see that. Right. So they uh, decided that she had, that the baby had been born alive. And they sought the death penalty, actually. Wow. For her. So, of course, she said that it was stillborn, and they still went ahead with the capital murder conviction uh, by presenting prejudicial evidence of Miss Colby's drug addiction and poverty in an effort to portray her as a bad mother who should be imprisoned regardless of her guilt. Regardless of her guilt? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, she was such a bad mom. Not only did she have six kids, but no one did anything about taking them away from her. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly now it's, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it says here that in 2009, the, um, what did I call it? The whole group. Equal Justice Initiative won a decision, a unanimous decision from the state's Supreme Court saying that uh, her right to a fair trial by an impartial jury was violated by the trial court's multiple errors during jury selection. Um, so this is the one that after she was considered not guilty, um, they went back forensics and re-examined the evidence and they couldn't prove that she had done anything. Mm -hmm. So did I answer your question? Yes. Yes, because I was like, could they figure out that it was a stillborn or not? But well, they couldn't figure out one way or the other. They couldn't. It says it was not conclusive evidence that the baby was born alive mm -hmm. or that he had breathed. Yeah. At all. Um. So actually, it says, in light of these forensic developments, the case was resolved on reduced charges, and the capital murder charge charges were dismissed. So still reduced charges. Did they give her time served? Yeah. Yeah, that's yep. uh, still to not admit that they did anything wrong or that they were wrong, and she's still under public record as a convicted criminal. Mm-hmm, yeah but because she already did five years and they couldn't retry her. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is what it was. So um, this gentleman was in jail for 20 years, uh, Benaya Dandridge. Uh, he was released in 2015. Uh, so in 1995, he was charged with capital murder and the killing of Riley Manning Sr. in Montgomery, Alabama. 
based exclusively on the Alabama Bureau of Investigation's uh, assertion that bloody fingerprints found at the crime scene matched his. No other physical evidence connected him to the crime. Later, they found out that the fingerprints were the guy's son's fingerprints. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Right? Hmm. <laughs> so, and they don't follow up and say that they followed up to convict that person. Right, that they then investigated the son. Yeah. And then this, there's an article here about, you know, more on working on the prosecutor's part of it mm-hmm. because they're not sharing evidence with the defense in this one case um, that the person wasn't in the area at the time. I mean, he was, mm-hmm. he clearly wasn't there. He didn't do it, but the prosecution didn't share that information with the defense team. So this gentleman, um, Jabbar Collins, spent 16 years in prison, but he reached a $10 million settlement with New York City. So does that make it okay? No. I mean, at least he got something. How long was he in? 16 16. years. Would you spend 16 years in prison for $10 million? No. Mm -mm. It wasn't worth it wasn't worth it for me. I don't think it was worth it for anybody. Mm-mm. But I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous that they think, oh, I'll just throw money at it. Right. It makes it okay. It's not okay. Oh, it's a little better. Well, yeah. I mean, at least there was something. But yes, yeah. no, not worth but it. Not 16 years of your life where mm, you yeah. could have been out there making your own $10 million. Or not, but still. Right. If I make $10 million in 16 years, um, you guys would not see me anymore. (laughs) You would forget we existed. Oh, (laughs) I'm so sad. He'd be doing interviews and be like, didn't you used to work out? No. No. You're the self-made man. The little people. (laughs) Oh, I'm not going to forget. I'm just saying you're not going to see me because I wouldn't have a reason to leave the house anymore. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Everything would just be brought to you. Uh, Yeah, I can have have everything delivered. Yeah. Yeah. Even your library books. And, and my groceries. <laughs> and uh, I mean, that's why Amazon exists. You like, give it to me right now. Mm-hmm. And then a day, two days later, there it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. With that much money, you may get it the next day. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, you'd be able like, to pay for gonna, yeah, screw free shipping. I want it <laughs> overnight. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So anyway, I think it's, you know, you did yours in Texas, and I think that there's a lot that we could still research for oh, Texas. Yes. Um, but then looking at the whole country. Mm-hmm. Well, we've a done a couple deal. of episodes where we've talked about, like I know we did an episode where I talked about the book, the, was it the country doctor, the doctor and the country dentist. Yes, you did. Um, mm-hmm. And then we talked one about one called Burned, which was about... A woman that got convicted for supposedly killing her children in a fire, in arson. And then when they actually started to look at the how they determined if something was arson, mm-hmm. that it was all junk science. 
because they had the it was at a time when you know one of those times that california was burning <laughs> <laughs> yeah afterwards they went to look at some of the houses that got burned in a in a wildfire mm-hmm. and what they see a bunch of evidence of arson oh. in a natural fire and it was just like well got it. all the things we know about supposed mm-hmm where it started, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. How Whether an accelerant was used or not, yeah, happens whenever there's an actual, just a natural wildfire. Yeah, I remember that. I believe she was still sitting in prison, even though they had all this evidence that it was all junk. Yeah, but because she was poor and living in some house, like some crap house, like there was an electrical fire. Of course, there was. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know what to say about it. It's horrible that it's happened, but it's like, how do you prevent it? And I think maybe yeah. more things are being prevented with DNA mm-hmm. um, because they can test it now before they get to the conviction stage, you mm-hmm. know, during the trial and that kind of thing, um, instead of having to do it afterwards. So that I think makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. But when you think about evidence, what evidence can they use? <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Eyewitness testimony is crap. Uh-huh. Um, bite mark analysis, not good. Crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, hair analysis. I mean, we could have very similar hair under a microscope. It could look the same. Yeah. It's got to be the DNA that's mm-hmm. tested. Which they can only do if it has a root. Right. It's not just a piece of hair. Fingerprints. If everybody's honest about fingerprints. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and that's part of it, too. It's not just the evidence. It's the people trying to hide the evidence or the people with different prejudice against um, race or poor people or anything, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and I know that probably being in a profession like that, you get jaded. Yeah. But it's really sad that somebody innocent is sitting in jail for such a long time. Mm-hmm. So that's all I've got to say. <laughs> well, I've got one more. Do it. So I know we, you and I have talked about this before, mm-hmm. um, and it's been a while, um, but Alice Siebold, the author that wrote The Lovely Bones. Yes. Tell me about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so back in probably the 80s as well, um, 1981, when Alice was in college, mm-hmm. she was raped. Okay. And she went to the police. Um and they started to investigate. Later on, she wrote a book called Lucky, which was about her rape mm-hmm. and the person that was convicted and so on. And her trying to move on with her life. I tried to read it, but after knowing what I know, it was I was like, eh. Yeah. Eh. Um, Netflix was going to make a show about it. Mm-hmm. And so they started looking into it. The executive producers, the writers, director... Mm-hmm. You know, um, they start writing the script and so on. And someone along the way was like, this doesn't really make sense. 
So the executive producer was like, okay, let's hire a private investigator mm-hmm. and have them take a look. If it matches up, then we'll proceed with the show. Because mm-hmm. they're tra- telling a true story, so they want it to be factual. Sure. So the private investigator goes and takes a look, comes back to the executive producer and says, okay, she was raped, mm-hmm. but it wasn't that guy. <laughs> and so they're like, what? Mm-hmm. So they basically put us put it into the show. They're like, we're not doing this. We're not. We're not proceeding with the show. Um, and the guy's in jail. The guy served his entire sentence okay. and then was released from okay. prison um, and then exonerated after the fact. Dang. Yeah. So he spent 16 years in prison, which was his entire prison sentence for uh, raping Alice Siebold. Mm-hmm. So in 1981, like I said, Alice was was raped. She identified a man on the police lineup and I have a picture of that lineup. So she is out and about, you know, afterwards trying to get her life together. Cause I mean, it's a horrible traumatic event mm-hmm. sure. and this is the eighties and some guy walks up to her and goes, don't I know you from somewhere? And she was like, that's my rapist. <laughs> Goes to uh, call someone, goes uh-huh. to call the police, which in the 80s was either home or a payphone yeah. or something. So she was out in the street, mm-hmm. called the police. They came. The guy was gone. Mm-hmm. But they were like, this guy was around and he's a black guy. Mm-hmm. So let's arrest him. So she goes and does a lineup. And the Anthony Broadwater mm-hmm. was the man that they arrested. They had him in the lineup. She does the lineup. And she says that it was number five. Okay. Anthony Broadwater was number four. Okay. And so she identifies number five and leaves the lineup room. And the cop goes over there and tells her that she picked wrong. That it was four not five and she goes but they were identical of course (laughs) that's the lineup oh my goodness so she misidentified none of these men i don't think actually did anything to her but she picked five they told her it was four she goes to trial with it she goes and she testifies and does no one mentions that she picked the wrong person in the lineup i think his defense attorney does but she's sitting there on the stand this 19 year old you know mm-hmm. white girl going it was him yeah not mentioning the fact that she misidentified someone in the lineup or anything and she was like that was him. Mm-hmm. So he gets convicted. You can see they're identical, right? They're identical. All of them. They, <laughs> how is she expected to make the right choice? Jeez. Um, so she goes and testifies and they convict him. And he serves his entire 16 years. 
been a victim for 16 years and he serves the entire sentence. Uh, Netflix looks into it and was like, okay, yeah, that guy didn't do it. So then the executive producer of the Netflix show hires like a group of attorneys. Oh. Because they're like, it's crap that not only, like he served his entire sentence, Mm -hmm. but he's also on the sex offender registry list. Mm -hmm. So he can't get any kind of good job. He's living in some little house that's fallen apart Mm -hmm. um when he got out he met a woman Mm -hmm. and fell in love and pretty quick when it seemed like they was going to get serious he gave her the entire case file and he was like i want you to read this at the end of that if you want to continue a relationship with me then we will continue Mm -hmm. she did she believed him and was like okay so they got together she wanted to have kids he wanted to have kids Mm -hmm. but because he was on the sex offenders registry he was like i don't think that's a good idea for us to have kids yeah so they didn't have kids wow and um so this was in what 19 in mm, 2000 this was just a couple years ago like 2020 i think okay Mm 2021 when he gets um exonerated the court actually exonerates him and um he basically just says that um, he wanted an apology. He wanted an apology from Alice Siebold because, I mean, she got up on the stand and lied. Mm-hmm. Um, and since it was 1981, any kind of charges for perjury have long since expired. Mm-hmm. So nothing can, no legal action, no criminal legal action can be taken against Alice Siebold. Yeah. Um about a week, maybe a week and a half after he officially got exonerated by the court, Alice Ebel did issue a statement, mm-hmm. um, which basically is like, I'm sorry this happened to you. The system's racist. <clears throat> yeah. Wow. Uh, I can read the statement to you right now. Uh, First, I want to say that I am truly sorry to Anthony Broadwater, and I deeply regret what you have been through. I am sorry most of all for the fact that the life you could have led was unjustly robbed from you, and I know that no apology can change what happened to you and never will. Of the many things I wish for you, I hope most of all that you and your family will be granted the time and privacy to heal. Forty years ago, as a traumatized 18-year-old rape victim, I chose to put my faith in the American legal system. My goal in 1982 was justice, not to perpetuate, 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 thank you, Uh, injustice, and certainly not to forever and irreparably alter a young man's life by the very crime that had altered mine. I am grateful that Mr. Broadwater has finally been vindicated, but the fact remains that 40 years ago, he became another young black man brutalized by our flawed legal system. I will forever be sorry for what was done to him. Today, American society is starting to acknowledge and address the systemic issues in our judicial system that too often means that justice for some comes at the expense of others. Unfortunately, this was not a debate or a conversation or even a whisper when I reported my rape in 1981. Maybe she forgot that she was being racist back then. It, there's a couple of things about her non-apology mm-hmm. that strike me first of all um i'm sorry that this happened to you mm-hmm. i didn't do anything right i'm t- totally i'm a victim in this too 
mm-hmm. is what that says to me. But also I can see her being very careful in her word choices because someone's about to get sued. Oh, yeah. So I could see her being like, I don't want to admit guilt mm-hmm. because then if I get sued, that's going to come back to bite me. Yeah. Also, all he wanted was an apology. You give him a non-apology. You're probably about to get sued. <laughs> just Yeah. It's just more political crap, mm-hmm. you know, to word things. And he wanted an apology and he could, she could have given him an actual apology. Yeah. Yeah. And she chose not to. Mm-hmm. And what you, when was he exonerated? He was exonerated. Let me see. November 2021. Oh, so just recently. Mm-hmm. Well, good for him. So is uh, it's probably too late for them to have children, though. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm. It is very much too late for him to have children. That's sad. So even though, I mean, he served his entire sentence and he got out, he was still marked as a rapist. Mm-hmm. Up until November 2021. So whenever anybody does a criminal background check for him for any kind of job, mm-hmm. that comes up. Yeah. So he wasn't allowed due to that mm-hmm. to have any kind of prosperous life. So when um, uh, when is the first moon colony going to allow civilians to live there? <laughs> you ready to leave this planet? <laughs> this dumpster fire of a planet? <laughs> I, I'm not sure I would want to... Okay, so it's like, do you want to live in that new justice system or this one? I don't know what the new one's going to be like. I mean... Well, it's it's so it's going to be one of two ways. It's either going to be really militaristic at first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, because small amount of resources all coming from earth so you're gonna it's gonna be really spartan it's gonna Mm -hmm. be sort of dealing with a lot of small things or uh it's gonna be a um a well-to-do company just uh going out there and doing literally everything for for earth so so that's what i believe at least i don't think anybody uh with ulterior motives is gonna start the first colony. I guess it depends on who that company is. Elon Musk. Uh, <laughs> Which, uh, if that's the case, I'm well, staying here on Earth. Well, the board, <laughs> the board is really in charge of a lot of things as well. So it's it's hard to say. I don't know if it'll be Elon Musk, Elon Musk but. Wow. Could be, uh, could be some upstart. A uh, 28-year-old is thinking of starting a space company. <laughs> what you got? What you got going over there? <laughs> it could be anybody. <laughs> Maybe even somebody in this room. <laughs> Some of us who are past 28. <laughs> so yeah, very fascinating. Mm-hmm. How, yeah. It's, um, yeah, so Alice Siebold's uh, novel, Lucky, jump-started her career, and then she wrote The Lovely Bones, and then it was turned into a movie, and then she became 
Is it is it a good book? I've, I haven't read them. Mm-hmm. I haven't read The Lovely Bones. And I tried to read Lucky, but, you know, going into it knowing that she lied and misidentified and this poor man spent 16 years in prison. Um, I was like, yeah, I don't really care what you have to say. So I kind of just left it there. Yeah. Well, and, and that's part of it, too, that she doesn't want to hurt her own career. So at this point, I'm like, girl, it's hurt. You just need yeah. to apologize. Yeah. And go from there. Well, I know we haven't solved a single problem today, but I think we've brought to light a few mm-hmm. things that maybe people did not know about. So the Innocence Project has a show on Netflix. Oh, Netflix gives us a unlimited. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, this again. Yes. Oh, all right. Uh, the Innocence Project does have a show on Netflix where they have different episodes that talks about different junk sciences. So mm-hmm. eyewitness testimonies and they talk about actual cases that were solved by the Innocence Project. And they each have something to do with some kind of science that's been debunked. Yeah. Witness testimony, contact DNA. Hmm. That's interesting. Yes. So. Hmm. Well, and I would be interested to know, you know, we've got 3,000 exonerated through this one organization. How many? Has the Innocence Project actually taken care of? Exactly. Yeah. So... All right, any final comments that you just start burning to say? Um, you know, just reformation of the masses, mass incarcerated people. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of system changes need to happen. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to happen in our lifetime. But yeah, I think it can't be done overnight. Uh, no. No, that would be cool, though. Yes. So, uh, all, we all wake up, and he's like, oh, no more prisons? What do they do with <laughs> all the prisoners? <laughs> yeah. That would be the question. <laughs> <laughs> Are they among us? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that there's probably criminals among us all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously there are because some of them have not been con- convicted. Get away, get away yeah. with the horrible things that they have done to people. I don't yeah. know. I would even go as far as to say that we have um, more people that are criminals that are not incarcerated than mm-hmm. we do have than incarcerated, we incarcerated. incarcerated criminals. So. Well, well, that's another debate. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to go there today. Just be aware of your surroundings, y'all. <laughs> that's right. So, all right. Well, you've been listening to Do We Like Murder, a segment of the Long Overdue podcast coming to you from Decatur Public Library in Decatur, Texas. March Madness. Bye.